and open up to John chapter 15. John, I mean Luke 15, I'm sorry. Luke 15. Um, open up your Bibles there. And we're going to talk about the Father's love today. Jesus teaches the parable of the lost son. Along with the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, it was a response to the hardness of religious people and leaders. Now think about that. If we have a hardness in our hearts about reaching lost people, okay, we need to get on our knees and ask God to soften our hearts. We need to go ahead and get people to understand that they have a soul and they are in need of a Savior and that there's a hell to escape. Now today, somebody said to me, well, Pastor, um, they get offended when we talk about hell. (laughs) Well, they should. But without Jesus in their heart, that's where they're destined to go. And why should we let them? Why should we let them? If you saw saw the train coming down the track 100 miles an hour, and you saw the bridge was out, wouldn't you try to warn the the engineer that the bridge was out so that they didn't plummet to their death? Why Why aren't we going ahead and warning people that they are plummeting to their death if they continue to go in the way that they're going. Why not rescue them? Why not get them saved? Now, this whole parable was in response to the hardness of the heart of the religious people and leaders. And I put leaders in there because it wasn't just the religious ones, it was the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay? Those who would respond with legalism. Today, it is those who would... Now, today, we come fast forward because we're in this PC culture. So today, it's those who would excuse behavior and doom sinners to hell. Right on. I'll give you a case of point. We we had some folks who don't come to our church anymore. Why? Timey went ahead and pointed this out the other day. I think it was in prayer meeting. Not the one that got canceled because of <laughs> cats, the wind, and a car. But somebody complained to her. The reason I don't go to church there is because pastor called sin, sin. So I like going to church over where I'm going now because I don't hear about that. And time he says, you better sit down with your pastor that you have now and find out where he stands because he probably stands the same place as pastor does. Sin, and I'm not going to tell you which sin it is because in God's eyes, all sin is the same and all sin will get us to hell. So there's a remedy for sin. His name is Jesus Christ and we meet him at the cross. And if you think about it, that's your crossroad. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to head to heaven or are you going to head to hell? You've got a choice to make. Jesus showed us how to love and 
how to love, and forgiveness comes about by confession, grace, and mercy. But it comes first with the recognition that we are sinners needing relationship. And who do we need that relationship with? with? Jesus Christ, with the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus teaches the parable of the lost son as to show us the Heavenly Father's love. And I want you to notice who was gathered with him. Let's look really quick at Luke 15 and verse 1 and 2. This is why I said open up your Bibles. Yes, I put things up on the screen. I put the ones that we're going to focus on. But sometimes I want you to look at other things. And you know what? It's important to open up this. It's important to mark it up, write notes, because, you know, there's something real about touching, feeling, reading, smelling the Word of God. Smelling the Word of God, because a new Bible smells awesome. But let's look at 15 and verse 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Huh. Did you notice all the people who are gathered? The place, and he teaches about the lost coin, and then he talks about the, the, the lost sheep, and then the lost coin. But more importantly, he talks about this lost sin, this lost son. Why? Because the place that he was sitting there teaching the people to were all lost sons and daughters. Isn't that kind of cool? And that included the religious folks. That included the religious folks. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We glorify you for this word today. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching we find here. We thank you, Lord, how it will challenge our hearts to not be hard-hearted. Lord, we see some religious folks here that just got hard-hearted and responded with legalism. Later on, we're going to see somebody respond with jealousy. And Lord, all of those things are a sin. And Lord, the only way to receive your mercy, your forgiveness, and your grace is to come to the cross and kneel there at the cross and ask Jesus into our hearts. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you will help us to see after this morning people differently, that we will see them as you see them, Lord, someone who needs to be saved, someone who needs a Savior, someone who needs to be touched and loved and cared for. We just praise you for this, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that every word that comes out of my mouth will be anointed by you, that, Lord, your anointing will be all over this place so that we would have ears to hear from you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. It's a little warm in here because we didn't turn the fans on, but don't turn them on now. Don't worry about it. I'll just lay this here. I also did that for a reason. Brother Tim said to me, he says, Boy, that's a nice shirt and bright, especially with what you got underneath it. So I'm not going to undress now, but I'm just going to unbutton some buttons here and look like I'm 70s cool. Now, <laughs> now, this is how we should be looking to all the sinners in Wapbrek. What do you mean? 
bright, standing out, and not being afraid to be different. Somebody was saying in Sunday school that they've gotten so old they don't care what people think of them anymore. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God! But we should be a beacon. Jesus said we should be a light. We should be a city on a hill that people can see for miles. Jesus said we should be a candlestick set up on a candle holder uh, uh, out to, be, to light up the whole room. Are we going to hide our light under a bushel? And so I illustrate that we should be bright this morning. We should be light this morning. We should be caring about the lost sons and daughters. You see, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in classification of there's the saved ones and there's the sinners. He sees us as his sons and daughters and his heart breaks for his lost sons and daughters. He rejoices over his saved sons and daughters. He rejoices over his sons and daughters who are found. He rejoices over his sons and daughters who serve him always and with gladness out in his fields. But his heart breaks for his sons and his lost sons and daughters. And he calls upon us to go reach out to our brothers and sisters of humanity who are lost in their sins to grab a hold of them to get them saved. Do you see the point? We're going to see that point here with this story. Let's get in here. There's a problem that we all face. Every single one of us, young and old, Especially um, if we are part, if we are, you know, just starting out in life. We're getting ready to graduate from high school. We're getting to the end of our high school career, thinking about, am I going to go to trade school? Am I going to go to college? Or am I going to go to no school? And, and I'm facing all these challenges. And, and I'm trying to figure out, who am I in this world? And so, especially there, and as we get older, we get to a point where all we want to do is get to heaven. You know, that's why grandmas and grandpas give out money so freely. Did you ever notice that? They just want to be counted, to, you know, to be happy people so they get to heaven. You know, because most parents say, that is not who my parents were when I was growing up. <laughs> but there's a problem we all face. Let's look at um, verses 11 through 19. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided them, his livelihood. And many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal ooh, living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Let me stop at that point on verse, six, verse um, 16, and we'll pick it up in a moment. You, you know what the problem this young man had? 
It's the problem we all have. You see, he had two sons, didn't he? One represented his saved son. One represented his lost son. What happened with you? The younger one got up one day and said, Oh, look at all this. I don't want to wait for dad to die. So he went to his father and said, Father, you are such a wonderful father. I'm going to flatter you and, and think, speak well of you and say, Father, why don't you do this? I don't want to wait till you die. Why don't you split up our inheritance now and give me mine? So the dad looked at his boy and said, Okay. And he gave his son his inheritance. What does the Bible say happened? In verse 11 through 16, he was attracted by the world. He saw the attractiveness of the world. Haven't we all been there? Yes. He saw the attractiveness of the culture. And what did he do? He took all that he had, left the safety of his father's house, and went out and ran towards the culture. Oh my word, the culture we... And we've, you know what, we get so much caught up in labels today. Back in the 60s, this was going on then too. What's happening today? We're seeing, the, we're seeing history repeat itself. Caught up in the culture. Chased after the culture. Went out there. He had friends and women and wine and everything he could imagine because what? He had his inheritance. And you know what? I just thought about it just now. He didn't even work for it. It was all his father's labors. And the Bible said he wasted it all. The culture, let me tell you something. The culture will use you up and just as fast discard you. Eat you up and spit you out. Look what's happening on the news all the time. All the party boys and girls are all great until what? And all of a sudden they find themselves discarded. 30 years ago, they were playboys and playgirls. And I'm not talking about the magazine. And now 30 years later, all of a sudden some people come out because they're done with them. And they're destroying them. Just as fast as they rose, they're being torn down. You know, that wasn't true about America now, about 20 years ago. We were a very forgiving country. We would have said, oh, you messed up, and you came out and said, I'm sorry for my sin, and forgive me. Forgive me to those who I did wrong, and forgive me for being such a jerk. And you know what Americans would do? You're forgiven. We love you. you you've seen the, the, the wrong of your ways. You're, you're pledging to now prove to us you've changed. But today, no, we don't even give a person a chance to change. That's right. 
But that's what this story is talking about. This young man went out and spent all. And as soon as he was, he had all the friends in the world. Think about it. He wasn't, ha he wasn't having a problem. He had all the friends. His buddies were around. Let's go have some fun. He had the girls coming to him. Oh, you're, you're looking good. You got money. Oh, my word. And you know what? Things haven't changed. <laughs> I'll, I'll, ask the girl, I'll ask the women here. How many women do we know that they were more attracted to their significant other because of the money in the bank than they were the quality of the person? How many people have we known that way? They chased after the guy because, oh, he's got money. And then we're discouraged later. I'm glad for the ones here who decided they were going to marry because of the character of each other over what they had in the bank. Because you know what? Stuff that comes in the bank comes and goes. That it does. But you know what? Character lasts forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 17 through 19 is recognized our need. Just like this young man, we need to recognize the need that we have. Come on. Even for us who are saved. Because sometimes, you know what? This culture is moving so fast and change is happening so fast that sometimes we get blindsided and we get caught up in things and say, why in the world am I caught up in this nonsense? Right? right? Doesn't that happen to us? We get caught up in things. Um, Yes, yes, I was making a point about being bright and light. And, and um, for those, somebody just asked me why I'm dressed like this. Um, <laughs> the point was, we're supposed to be light and bright and attracting sinners to Jesus. <laughs> I could have wore, wore this with a red shirt, then I would have looked, and uh, green pants, and then I would look like a stoplight. But, um, <laughs> uh, I got a very bright yellow shirt under a peach shirt so I look very spring-like for those at home. Man, you guys got to show up to church who listen at home and you'll be so blessed to see what goes on here. But recognizing our need, I want you to notice here something. Listen to this, to this phrase, comes to self. Okay? Verse 17. But when he had came to himself. Hello? Even as Christians who are already saved, we need to come, we need those come to Jesus moments. Oh, yeah. Right? Most definitely. It's so cool. I've been watching some of our young people at church, and they've been having so many, they've been having some cool come to Jesus moments. And they've been growing and changing, and it's been so cool to I, you know, that's my as a pastor, that's my favorite things to do is watch people grow and the light bulbs that come on. And they start figuring things out. You know, I was taught long ago by my mentor, um, Brother Reynolds, who said, you pastor in your patience. You don't ask for patience, but you pastor in your patience. And he also said, you get yourself some good hip waders, because you're going to have to pull them up and wait out to where the people are sometimes to get them to help them to where they need to be. But he says, he came to himself. And said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. Haven't we felt like that sometimes before God? And don't you think your lost brothers and sisters in the world that we're supposed to be going out to rescue feel like that every day? You know how many, how many men and women who've had abortions, and I include men in that because it takes two to make, who feel like they're unworthy of the love of God, and God says, I'm here for you, I want to forgive you, I want to save you, because there's only one unpardonable sin, and that's not it. God will, per, he will forgive the sinner who comes before him hum, humbly and comes to themselves. And think about this. All right. What do pigs eat? Slop. Why is it called slop? Because it looks like it. And in this case, the, the word here for pods, you know what that, that's corn cobs. That is leftover in our mind, in America, that's what we usually think of. The corn's all been eaten off of it, and we throw the cobs to the pigs. Can you imagine that's what you want to eat? Wow. Now, the pods that are actually, the biblical pods are a little different from that, but it's still stuff you don't want to eat as a human. You know, it's a husk, you know? But in our minds, because in our American minds, that's what we... Most of us who grew up in Sunday school, that's what we picture. Because they were always shown as used up corn cobs. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but when I eat corn on the cob, I just eat the yummy corn. Right? Unfortunately, now it's bad for me. Because corn is just full of carbs. That's all it is, carbs. And folks, listen, carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. We're not supposed to consume as many carbs as they tell us we're supposed to consume. That's why so many of us are overweight. What do we use to fatten? This is off the subject, but I'll teach you something here. What do we use to fatten the cows and the pigs with? Corn. Corn. And then we go ahead and think we're going to lose weight by eating pounds and pounds of popcorn. <laughs> it works against us. I thought that's a funny thing, you know. Oh, and what do most kids like? Corn. <laughs> I don't want to eat my Brussels sprouts and my broccoli. I want corn. Uh, we need to learn how to enjoy the other. There's a solution here. There's a solution to the problem. There's a solution to chasing after the culture. And boy, this culture doesn't know Jesus, does it? The past cultures, they all understood who Jesus was and, and about what the Bible said. But you know what? In the last days, this is another reason why I know we're in the last days. In the last days, there was going to come a famine. Now, Jesus said there's going to be in the last days famines when there's no food to eat. But the worst famine that comes in the last days is the hearing of the word. Even the, and how do we understand? By the hearing of the word. By the reading and hearing of the word comes our understanding, comes our faith. And there's going to be a famine. And people don't know this awesome book anymore. I am so glad that we have a teacher for our youth who is more concerned about not entertaining them and playing games with them so they're more concerned about getting the word of god into them 
And I'm telling you, if all your youth, if you go to a church where all your youth pastor concerns about him is entertaining the kids, it's time to get your kids into a church where they're more concerned about getting the Word of God into them. And so guess what we're teaching our teens? Apologetics. They probably don't even know they're learning apologetics. They're getting a college education and they're all smarter for it. I'll tell you what, I think our kids are more smarter than all the rest of the kids in town, not because they know how to do math and science, it's because they understand how to explain the Word of God and stand on it. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. Hmm. But when he was still a great off, way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And, when his, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you see the solution there? He asked for forgiveness. He asked for forgiveness. Hmm. Now, before we get onto that a little bit more, but think about this. This is talking about the Father's love. Jesus is trying to get us to understand how the Father, the Heavenly Father, thinks, sees things. Because usually his parables were always phrased like this, the kingdom of heaven is like... Before the son even got to the father to ask for forgiveness, the father was looking for him. Yep. And the Bible says he ran to him. He was moved with compassion and he fell on his neck. And then the son asked for forgiveness. What did God the father do? He saw us afar off, and he ran to us in Jesus Christ, who was moved with compassion and went to the cross and met us there. And when we ask for forgiveness, he saves us. Our solution is found at the foot of the cross. And today, we are taking the crosses out of our churches and off of our buildings. There's a college, I mentioned it the other night, there's a college, a prominent college, that went to their chapel and they are having the cross removed from the steeple because it might offend somebody. And they have made it a rule that no Bibles can be found in their chapel. What in the world is their chapel for? Down in Florida, there's a church down there, mega church. And because they love their community and the kids of the high schools, they went to the schools and they went to the superintendent and said, you have no place big enough to have graduation. So let us tell you what we want to do for the kids and for the schools. You can have graduation in our church every year. And for years, 
they were having graduation in the church until this year because one person said they were offended and so the superintendent had to say to the church you need to remove your cross inside and off the building otherwise we can't have it there anymore to the pastor's credit he says well then you're not going to have it here anymore we are not removing the cross because the cross is where we met Jesus. It's a symbol of where we met Jesus. You know what that superintendent should have done? He should have stood up to the person who was offended and said, get over yourself. This is a gift. We, there's no place in town here that's big enough. Where are we going to have graduation now? And are you going to pay for it? If you're going to pay for it and find us a place big enough and you're going to pay for it like they do, then we will move. But get over yourself. Because we're not preaching Jesus when we're there. <laughs> but, we, but too many because of PC culture, because of the culture, they cave to the culture instead of standing up for what is right. Think about that. Can you imagine? I can't imagine our principal Wapitan caving. <laughs> I couldn't imagine him caving. I think he would have had a few things to say about it. Thank God for a safe principle. Hallelujah. Now if we can just get the elementary school. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> praise God. Pray for the principal there. Pray for the middle school principal. Pray for the high school principal and all the teachers they needed in this day. Look at verse 22. But the father said to the servant, hmm, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. He asked for forgiveness. And what, at the, he met him at the cross. Asked for the forgiveness. You see, he came running to him. And I believe it was at the crossroad. To the farm. He asked for forgiveness. And what happened? Forgiveness was granted. You see, a ring not only is a symbol of being married, but a ring is also a symbol of royalty. Family. Isn't that cool? And not only that, he says, bring him, a, bring him a fine robe. You see, when you get saved, you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. He takes your rags and he throws them on the, into the sea of his forgetfulness and he puts new clothes on you. And he wraps you in royal robes. For all you young ladies out there, you, you go from being Cinderella in the cinders to being the princess in the palace. And for the guys out there, you go from being the toad hopping around the lily pad to being the prince in the palace. And there's always room at the cross. There's an old song that we used to sing, there's room at the cross for you. 
But you know what? We saw the religious folks earlier, right? Now we have a different, now we have somebody who's in the family complaining. Verse 25. Now the older son, the saved son, the faithful son, was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and pleaded with him. Hmm. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never trespassed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Hmm. Do we act that way sometimes when people, some people get saved? I have a friend, well, he's in heaven now. Had a friend who pastored up in Maine. He went to Stinkin' Lincoln, Maine. That's the nickname for the town. Has a paper mill. Have you ever been in a paper mill town? They stink. The, pro, the thing is, you stay long enough in a paper mill town, you don't smell the stink anymore. <laughs> And he went there and he started pastoring one of our, the Church of God in Lincoln Center. And he was doing a great job. Sinners were getting saved. And the church was packed out. And the, except one of the sisters was like this young man. And she played the piano. And her father had bought the property and built the church. And she, she would go ahead and give out candy to all the children except for the pastor's children. And the pastor went to her and said, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you treating my, my children like this? She says, it's because you keep on bringing all these sinners into the church. We don't need them here. Woo-wee! And this pastor, I'll tell you what, he had success wherever he went. You know what? He got so fed up because she had, there was more than just herself. The church bosses, she got on her side. So the pastor said, if you don't want the sinners, you don't want me. And they packed up their truck and they moved to another church. The church dwindled down to a few handfuls. And she became a stricter church boss because she got away with it. To the credit, the pastor who's in the church now, he stayed long enough until he could do her funeral. And now the church is coming alive again. (laughs) But you know, I... When I was a young preacher, I didn't always know better. And 
Devin and Katie were born in Lincoln at the hospital there. And so I used to go and once in a while I would preach for the pastor. And he would be gone, so I had to lead singing too. I used to have fun because she was still playing the piano. Most people forget it's not, the sing, it's not the worship leader who follows the piano. It's the, worship, it's the piano who follows the worship leader. So Jason, I had fun with her. I would speed up and I would slow down because I just wanted to let her know when I'm here, I'm going to preach to the sinner because I want to see him saved. You see, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be filling up our churches with sinners. We're supposed to be filling up the church with people who need Jesus. We need to be filling up our churches who were lost sons and daughters. We need to be going after them. And when they get saved, we should be throwing a party. Every time a sinner comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we saw, if you go back and read about the lost sheep, what did they do? As soon as they found the sheep, he threw a party. As soon as she found the lost coin, she threw a party. As soon as a lost son was found, what did he do? He threw a party. What do you think happens in heaven when a lost one of his lost sons or daughters comes back and gets saved he throws a party in heaven they rejoice over the one who is lost and now is found he was dead but now he's alive the father says to his faithful son that was always with him he says in verse 31 and he said to him son son you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Oh, what grace and mercy that was shown there. Oh my word, we could have had Dallas played out here. J.R. all mad because Bobby came back and said, Oh, I'm going to get him and spend the rest of the series trying to get back at his brother because his father showed him some kindness. Oh, come on. Everybody here, this. Yeah, everybody here, even the millennials, know Dallas and who J.R. was. Oh, talk about getting caught up in culture. <laughs> I don't really remember what it wasn't allowed in my in the house I grew up in, so we didn't really watch it. <laughs> we just all knew who we all wondered though who shot JR. <laughs> but no, I like what this father does. Grace and mercy. And he, tell, he teaches his older son, boy, you know, when I die, it's all yours. Everything I have. You've been faithful. You've been a good son. I love you as well. And you're going to get it all because you know what? You stayed. You've worked. You've understood. But your brother was dead to us. And now he's alive again to us. He was lost but now he is found, and it's a right thing to do. Oh, folks, let us have compassion like our Savior. Let us be bright and vibrant. 
Let, let it shine out there. Because let me tell you something. There's room at the cross. There's room for you. Let us start a party and celebration in heaven by getting souls saved. Amen? Can you say amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you. For Lord, mm, we are so glad that you had compassion on us. And we thank you, Father, you went looking for us every day. And when you saw us at the crossroad, you came running. And Lord, you met us there at the cross. And when we asked for forgiveness, you forgave us. And your grace and mercy came upon us and we, re we received forgiveness. And you put on us a royal robe and you call us your son and your daughter. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us to the cross and helping us to open our hearts to salvation. Oh, we praise you, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for us, Lord, who are saved here, your sons and daughters, that, Lord, you would stir us up, stir us up so much that we can't help ourselves but tell others about our Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Give us that boldness we need in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. And amen.